Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Yeah, you? Excellent, not too bad, not too bad. Um, you, there's been a bit of news, that I think in the last 24 hours, it's a little bit sad. Um, a certain person passing away. Um, are you familiar with the songs of Mr. Bill Withers? I am, yeah. Very sad news. Yeah, I mean, he died aged 81, had a good innings and all that. Um, seminal for two or three famous songs, most notably this one, Ain't No Sunshine, which is a good tune. And, um, yeah, and I mean, not, it's... And not uh, through this weekend. There's plenty of sunshine this weekend. I know, yeah, that's the irony, unfortunately. Uh, the other song I'm going to play at the end, uh, Lovely Day, which uh, I guess for him isn't as well, so it's a bit of a tragedy on that score. Um, but uh, at least it is a lovely day outside. Um, we're recording this on Saturday the 4th of April. Now, Peter, it's 4pm or just after 4pm on a Saturday, and we're not. And we were scheduled to play at home today, but we're not playing any football. We're missing out um, on our regulation league win over Manu, at the Amex, what's going on? The lads, the big clubs will go to to get an advantage, Joe. Eh? I know it's sort of, they were running. I've said they were running scared from last season. You know, it's kind of like can't really blame them with our, you know the yeah. quality that we've got all over the pitch compared to them. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Well, we have one. I think it's three in a row, isn't it? The first two years in the Prem and the last year in the old First Division, eighty-two, eighty-three. So we're on a run against them at home. Shame not to be able to carry it on for now, but let's hope we can still uh, manage to achieve that when the time comes. I am, of course, joking about conspiracy theories. I don't think they've engineered the COVID virus specifically to avoid losing to the Albion. But uh, uh, anyway, on more serious matters, it is certainly days like today when our lack of a football fix comes squarely into focus, isn't it? Um, how are you coping with the ongoing lockdown? And um, We're now into, what, the third week, I think, aren't we, by now? Yeah, I think it's, it's starting to get a little bit more difficult, I think, probably, just because... Yeah, it's kind of it's become the norm now, and it's and, you know, when it was first first week or so too, it was kind of like oh, this is a bit different, but it wasn't, and it was get weekends as well when we weren't supposed to be playing, so I wasn't so worried, or not so worried, yeah. but it wasn't so it wasn't such a loss. Whereas this weekend, obviously, yeah, Albion were due to be playing, 
the weeks are kind of like it's, I think the, the my big thing is like, it doesn't feel like there's any kind of sign of, a, of an end to it. That's where yeah. you know there's no sign of a when we when we're watching football again. More importantly, when we'll just be allowed to go back to normal life again. And and it's you know it's because no one knows literally what's going to happen. And that's the scary thing, I think, the worst thing. Yeah, indeed. We're, we're following the patterns of Italy and sort of seeing how we compare with them because they're supposedly about three weeks ahead of us. And we're looking at when there's going to be the supposed peak that we need to reach and then hopefully drop down from. Um, signs, potentially, we might be getting towards that. But who knows, really? It's still very much um, yeah. the uppers. As a but if the top guess. medical experts can't you know, know these things, then no chance you and I are going to know it. But, well, exactly. Yeah. Exactly and that's, that. that's kind of making it a bit, you know, making me a little bit more slightly stir crazy or whatever. But yeah, well, yeah. What, what, have you, what have you been doing to keep going overall over these these weeks? I know we mentioned a little bit about this, but I mean, you've got TV, film, books, yeah. exercises. Been doing quite a few media. like Zoom Zoom calls with friends and like, yeah, that sort of thing on family, and which is quite yeah. nice. Um, and yeah, just probably generally drinking too much, probably <laughs> <Marvelous>. <laughs> eating and drinking <laughs> well, too much. So uh, yeah, it's probably the problem. Food does become a very central part of your day when you can't do anything else, really. It does, doesn't it? You just yeah, start yeah. thinking about food like de- days ahead. Oh, what should we eat on Sunday or whatever? What do we eat on Tuesday? Yeah, that's it. So it's really going to be a takeaway now, is it? Really? Yeah. yeah. That's the other thing. But um, I think yeah, a few friends of mine have said they've been keeping in touch with FaceTime calls, Zoom calls, Skype calls with. Relatives uh, on a much more regular basis than they would otherwise have done. Yeah, and I wonder if it's one of those number of things that people are now suggesting might become part of a, a new culture going forward. So yeah, people get into a certain habit now which they wouldn't otherwise have done. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes in the long term. Yeah, so I think work's a very interesting one as well because I mean, on the whole, my all of us at work are survive. My work are surviving working at home. I mean, there's there's things that issues that are around certain things but basically most people are fine working at home and it's whether that's gonna you know change attitudes and general you know way of working although to be honest I much prefer being in the office just because it's more I think it's more easier to concentrate but I think a lot of people may regard it as a sign that you can actually work from home more often maybe even permanently if in most jobs. Yeah I think it's going to be a case of getting a balance over time isn't it because um, on the one hand the more people can work at home, the more often the better it is for the environment and everything else. Yeah. But there is that social element and it is yeah, a social exactly. species. Um, so, in fact, one of the friends I mentioned that's having all these calls with family online now, um, he, he does a job where he runs a business. He could feasibly run the whole thing from home and all his staff members could work from home. But they do have an office and he is missing that mm. interactive element and not being able to go in. Um, he does work from home sometimes, but... You know, he, he enjoys the fact he can go into the office and yeah, interact as well. Absolutely, me. Yeah, I, I miss it quite a lot. It's kind of like just seeing people as well. I mean, it's like I'm quite lucky in the sense there are I'm living I live with my fiance and uh, we also have a housemate as well. So there's three of us at least in the house. So I can't imagine what it's like if you live on your own. You know, it's kind of like it must be you must get quite yeah quite lonely at times. Yeah, speaking of your housemate, I believe he is the culprit in the mysterious loud bleeping noise on the Paul Barber interview. Yeah, oh, she, she, she was, yes, she was. She set the fire alarm off. Oh, she, on. she, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've, we've outed her now. Um, in, fa- in fairness, um, the fire alarm is, is useless. It kind of like goes off at no 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 reason whatsoever. I think one meal we, met, we were cooking the other day, we set it off eight times, oh, which is God. quite impressive. <laughs> Literally a little bit of smoke kind of, you know, or steam or whatever comes out. And it's, even if you've got like the window open and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I should have probably, I should have put yeah. it on. I mean, 
I apologize for that interruption. It really yeah. confused me when I was listening back to the interview that I, I thought the fire alarm had gone off, and then I, of course I realized that was what was actually the fire alarm when the interview was on. <laughs> it's a classic. Did the cat run away anyway? Uh, no, the cats weren't around, I think, at that point. They were, they were hiding away somewhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of, um, speaking of which, we've got um, a similarly oversensitive smoke alarm as well. So if, we, if the toast goes slightly smoky, that's it. Boom, it's gone. Um, uh, and so is the cat. Uh, but <laughs> there we have it. It sounds like an episode of Friday Night Dinner, actually, which yeah. is the one thing I have been catching up with, amongst others, uh, during my time in lockdown. Um, what else have you, have you been watching anything else, Peter? Because I've been watching Friday Night Dinner, catching up with all of that. I've been catching up with some old episodes of IT Crowd. And I've just finished blitzing the whole of Stranger Things, which I thought was an excellent hark back to the 80s. Um, really entertaining three, well, so far three season series. All good stuff. Um, what about yourself? What have you been We've watching? We've been watching a, quite a few films on Netflix. We watched, we blitzed a couple of weekends ago, The uh, the Stranger, which is only eight, only had one series so far as well. Oh, and yeah, it's only like eight that. episodes, but it was really good. I'd recommend it's like uh, one of those things, you know, you kind of don't want to go to bed and kind of eventually just say, we have to go to bed now. We'll watch it tomorrow because otherwise we'll be up all night watching it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was really good. I'd recommend it. And yeah, just films, I think, mainly other than that. And doing some like board games as well. Our, uh, our housemates got some some quite good board games. We've been playing board games nights and stuff. Yeah, so. It all helps, doesn't it? Yeah. Of camaraderie. Yeah, we've yeah, we've, we've been starting to watch films now. We got through Stranger Things. We watched Snowpiercer last night which is by the director of Parasite, which um, itself obviously has had a load of acclaim, early release yeah. beginning of this year, and it's won the Oscar. Um, and Snowpiercer is his earlier film, which I've had on my list for a while to watch. Finally got around to watching that. That was on Prime. Um, we're going to work our way through a few more films, I think, now over the next few days. Um, so there's at least an upside somewhere along the line. And I'm a massive film fan and TV box set fan anyway, so uh, that's all good. Started reading a book as well, which is a, a rare treat for me. Um, it's like so, the other way around. My, my readings normally on my um, on my trip to work. So uh, I, I, and I, when I when I this started, I was kind of like promising myself I'd still read and I'd still. I just downloaded the new Hilary Mantel, which is like over a thousand pages. So there's plenty of reading material, but yeah, yeah, I haven't got around to actually picking up my Kindle for the last three weeks, which is really bad. Yeah, I should. Yeah. I, should I need to start doing that again. Just even if it's half an hour in the evening or something. Yeah, well, different habits, uh, different times, I suppose. Yeah. Unprecedented times, actually, is what in the last week, yeah. Graham Potter described this current situation as. And Paul Barber has uh, also said it's pure guesswork as to when we might really return. Well, um, Graham Potter has also described how appreciative he is of the work teachers do in managing groups of kids all day long, joking about his 12 hours of torture that his kids put him through each day during the lockdown and how he's enjoyed sharing the garden trampoline albeit in fear of injuring his little ones and burdening the NHS yeah. at an inopportune moment as a result. Um, so, you know, he's, he's finding it tricky as well. <laughs> I'm, sure that, I'm sure there's good and bad things to that. Um, in other news, Albion-wise, though, um, we had an unidentified Albion player testing positive for COVID-19. I think it was actually before our last podcast with Robin, but we forgot to mention it on that one. Um, that was just over a week ago now, I think, when that was announced. It wasn't specified who it was. All they did say was that two other players were tested and came up negative. So that was that. Um, subsequently, though, another player is now reportedly mm. um, tested positive as that one recovers. Um, again, unidentified. We don't know who that is. That was on Thursday of this week. So I, I, I guess as long as they're getting through it, OK, it's not really a big problem. Um, yeah. Other than if there's a slow pass on process that might um, subsequently and 
uh, sort of manifest itself. I'm hoping not, but uh, we'll, yeah, I don't we'll think the squad why. have been together for quite a while now, have they? So I think that the danger of anyone who's got it now having passed it on is probably quite low. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully so. Hopefully so. Um, in happier news, the club have also announced since we last spoke to, uh, or when we when we spoke to Paul Barber, and um, it's going to be hosting a number of online fans forums over the coming weeks. Um, which is a great move, again, from the club. They've been doing a lot of stuff with press conferences along those lines. So it's another good move to keep uh, supporters sort of tied in, isn't it, really? Um, this is going to involve all the various supporter groups, I think, up and down the country, um, with different guests, uh, speakers, being invited yeah. onto the different events. So that's all good, I think. Um, yeah, it's great, yeah. That. it's. Um, I, think they, yeah, I think there's, in fairness to the club, I think they're doing everything they can in this situation to to help out the community and the you know, and everyone in the area and that sort of thing. And they're, they're making, they're doing all the right things seemingly at the moment anyway. Mm, yeah. Um, away from Albion News, um, other people haven't been self-isolating as well as uh, Graham Potter has in his uh, child torture <laughs> scenarios there. Um, Jack Grealish has further endeared himself to the general populace by being caught out visiting a friend for a social uh, when the country has been told to avoid all unnecessary journeys, particularly when his club have already specifically prohibited their players from doing so. So pretty disappointing to see that. I know he's your, one of your favourites, Peter. Yeah, um, well, wasn't he also pissed or whatever when he was driving? Was that, was that uh, the case? Or? Really? Well, on that occasion? Was that, why, was that why he crashed or was that did I make that up? Um, I'm not sure because there, there was someone else crashed, um, which was Bayern Munich's defender, Jerome Boateng. I don't know if you're mixing up. What happened there? He was fined for doing similar to Grealish, i.e. breaking a curfew, which was Germany's governmental lockdown rule, um, to try and visit his four-year-old son, who he'd heard was ill. Um, but apparently he crashed his car on the way there. So I don't know if that's related to drink or not, or whether the Jack Grealish incident is. I'm not sure. Oh, here we but, are. So, um, so looking up an article from The Sun, so take it with a pinch of salt if you want to. Uh, Premier League eight's Jack Grealish crashed his car following a 4am party just hours after urging fans to stay indoors for the virus lockdown. The Aston Villa hypocrite, 24, apparently smashed the £80,000 Range Rover into three parked cars near Solihull, West Midlands. Grealish oh, right. appeared unsteady and confused moments after the crash. So maybe it wasn't booze, but it was still very late and he shouldn't have been out that late. Yeah, it doesn't sound good, does it, at that time of day? No. Um, you know, to feel the whimsical inclination to go and visit a friend at that time in the morning. Uh, I mean, it shouldn't be out anyway. It's pretty disappointing. And it does seem that while most people are adhering, there are still some people that insist on breaking the rules. And we might see this in the wider picture over the weekend with this good weather of people in general sort of going out. We'll have to wait and see what the reports are like. But with good weather, slightly warmer weather, people getting stir crazy, are we going to see a bunch of people going out? There's apparently already been, I think, a, a surge in the number of um, car journeys that have been made in the last couple of days, according to stats. So whether that's related, I don't know. But uh, not great, is it? Um, disappointing, I suppose. Um, moving on, there's been quite a bit of news this week. I'm going to take the rest of it in chronological order. So we'll go through and chat about stuff as we go, I think. Um, I mean, first, first up after the Grealish news... Um, was news that 60 non-league clubs sent a collective letter to the FA expressing their deep concern and disgruntlement with the proposed move to declare the season null and void and to expunge all results from the campaign. This is a proposal at the moment rather than, than a set rule. Um, and we've mentioned the proposal itself before, uh, which relates to steps three to six in the National League non-league structure. In other words, those divisions directly below National League North and South 
A final decision has yet to be reached, uh, but it's hoped that this lev the level of opposition explained in this letter, or demonstrated in this letter, um, from those very clubs that are set to be affected will sway the FA and respective league associations, um, which most clubs feel is too unnecessarily hasty in action, given the ongoing state of limbo currently being experienced. And as I'll mention in a later summary on the news items this week, um, up the food chain, uh, the opposite has been announced really with the Premier League and Football League, which we'll come to later. But in terms of the non-league, um, we've discussed this to some degree already, so don't want to dwell on it for too long. But what do you think about that, Peter, with the, the letter, the 60 clubs? Um, I, I mean, I think if, if you were a team who were already won promotion or were on the verge of winning promotion or whatever, um, you'd have to write a letter, wouldn't you? It's not surprising. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I think there's a big issue. I think they try. I think there's there's no right answer with the whole thing, and you know there's there's three obvious solutions to the whole to the whole problem: cancel the season, play the season again, however long it takes, or find some way of using the results up to now to come to a conclusion. Yeah. And all three of those are going to leave a lot of clubs unhappy. Yeah. And I mean, literally... looking at the maths, I mean, sixty clubs is probably still less than fifty percent of the clubs affected by that. Um, I would say. But even so, that's a sizable yeah. portion. I, I imagine it's probably about every club who are in with a chance of winning promotion in any league. I would, yeah. I would think. Yeah. And, it, and even there was, you know, an interesting chat I think last weekend about it with um, Robin. Even one or two clubs who had a terrible season might actually want to get relegated in their own mind. You know, they might be quite keen to go down and because they actually, you know, have they just have the same season again next season. You know, if yeah. they don't. Yeah, it's an interesting point, and it may, may be the case for some clubs. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll have to see what um, they finally decide on that matter. At the moment, it's still in limbo, as I said, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, what subsequently developed as the week's gone on, um, some more um, rather more sizable news, is the fuss that's gone on around furloughing wage cuts and deferrals. Um, that's moved towards centre stage with a number of clubs having announced measures. I mean, initially, I think this is in the right timeline, initially QPR boss Mark Warburton volunteered to take a significant wage cut, and officials at Leeds United followed suit, I think. Um, then during this midweek, reports that Wet Sham and Spuds, if you'll pardon my lovely little nicknaming there, um, they were going to furlough staff, um, then follow that. There was Norwich City, and then Bournemouth also announced measures. Bournemouth themselves, though, had manager Eddie Howe become the first Premier League boss to take a voluntary pay cut during the ongoing uh, pandemic, and his assistant, Jason Tyndall, plus Chief Executive Neil Blake and Technical Director Richard Hughes have all also taken significant pay cuts amid the crisis. Interestingly, Chairman Jeff Mostyn, up to date as far as we know, still hasn't done himself. So you know, it's, it's a, there's a variety between one, one um, person and another in these matters. Um, as, the, as the week wore on, Championship Club Swansea announced that they have most of their non-playing staff, including manager Steve Cooper and Chairman Trevor Birch, have been placed on furlough leave. League One Oxford swiftly followed suit, as did League Two Exeter City, citing the protection of the club and its employees as the motivation. And then the next day, Friday, which was yesterday as we record this, um, League One leaders Coventry City and their divisional rivals Doncaster Rovers both furloughed all players and a number of their full-time staff. As with most other clubs who have taken this kind of step, they've pledged to supplement the government's 80% payments with the difference to ensure that the staff members are all effectively remaining on full pay. Just to quickly rattle through a couple of other bits. Um, 
League Two Orient also announced on Friday that they put a majority on staff of their staff on furlough leave. And even today, Saturday, Liverpool have now furloughed a number of their staff to quote. I'm not sure which staff, presumably non-playing. So mm. even up to date, it's, uh, it's still happening. Also today, Burnley chairman Mark, Mike Garlick um, said that the club will run out of money by August if the season hasn't resumed by then and got into full swing. And he said that uh, that is why he and other clubs are so adamant that they would like to see the season completed eventually, if at all possible, and as soon as possible. So, you know, matters are getting pressing. Um, but then surely if they're going to run out of money in August, that the same thing could be said for cancelling the season and then starting again in August, because then they still have the income from football and from the Premier League and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, Garlic, I think, wants, um, wants the season to continue and as soon as it's possible to do so, so that further income can come in sooner than August or a later delayed start date mm. to a new season. I think, I think that was the idea with him. Um, but, I mean, essentially, there's been a growing feeling of irritation this week, hasn't there, from some quarters about the Premier League players' lack of wage deferral, wage cutting to date. I mean, what happened, um, we saw the chair of the DCMS, the um, Department for Culture, Digital Culture, Media and Sport, isn't it, committee, Julian Knight, the Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, and I think others also, criticised Premier League players for having not yet deferred their, uh, a substantial amount of their wages in enough numbers. And um, I think the response was from Gary Neville and Andros Townsend. They've been quick to respond, criticising those comments that were made, in turn questioning their place to call those players out. I think Hancock um, himself hasn't provided testing kits for health staff. There was a, there was a point about that which Andros Townsend made. Um, and you could, in generally, also to broaden the debates, talk about why members of the FTSE 100 directorship, um, hedge fund bankers, and other such people haven't been put into the spotlight as much. I know the players are in a, a greater individual um, spotlight, aren't they, uh, in the public eye than those individuals behind the scenes in the banking world and so on. But uh, it does seem to be uh, getting a bit touchy, and there's some double standards and people calling each other out got a little bit messy hasn't it in midweek mm. I think it is quite on trend to criticize footballers and have a go at footballers and that sort of thing and I I think there is something that's moving towards being done um you know whether whether or not you uh yeah whether or not you you agree that footballers should do something and probably you know they they should there's no question about that um I think it's disgraceful that the football clubs are making certainly so early on going you know putting their staff on furlough because i mean the money that premier league clubs make maybe not so much the lower leagues you know it's not so weird but the fact that the amount of money premier league clubs get the fact that there's so many premier league clubs already talk about putting their staff on furlough now you know not just waiting until they kind of get to the point they need to is ridiculous in my view well i come to talk about the um the announcement that was made collectively on friday in a minute but um ahead of that announcement i'm well, when that announcement was made, they said that um, they weren't influenced by any of the criticisms they'd received. They were already off their own back. Yeah, and I imagine they were. And I, I, I just, so, yeah. I don't think government ministers should be getting involved in this sort of comments. To be honest, it's no. like quite unseemly, and it's like when they're kind of talking about being in together and everything like that to then go and slag off people is pretty particularly unnecessary, I'd say, probably personally. And also, I, yeah. yeah, you know, you know my views on, on, on the government and. Uh, and yeah, historic Tory government's uh, investment in health and then to go and try and berate people for not, yeah, you know, kind of, yeah. you know, compare them when they talk about heroic nurses, when they 
blocked the pay cut pay rise for nurses. It's a bit the whole thing's a bit un, unsavoury and, un, and and yeah unnecessary. I'd say probably. Yeah. Matt Hancock should focus be... on health sec being health secretary rather than rather than actually slagging off Premier League footballers. Exactly. I, th- I think you've got to be squeaky clean to do anything other than that yeah. to start with. And even if you are, as you said, it's still not necessarily your place to do so. Um, does leave a little bit of a bad taste in the mouth. But um, anyway, a few positives have, have come out um, of that. We'll get on to that in a while. Um, but the other news this week came from UEFA. They'd had a meeting as well uh, on Wednesday, following which they announced, rather, a lot of this is not really a surprise, but they confirmed that the Champions League and Europa League competitions are suspended indefinitely and that all the men's and women's international matches scheduled for June have now officially been postponed. Also gone are May's Euro Under-17s Men's Tournament and July's Women's Under-19s Championship, um, Euro's Championship. None of those are a surprise. No, not really at all. Um, What was interesting was the Danish FA um, apparently made a statement in the press saying that next year's Women's Euros, which of course are now going to clash with the Men's Euro 20 tournament, which has been put back a year, that the Women's Euros have been postponed till the following year. Um, This hasn't been put in the official domain by... UEFA yet, so <laughs> an interesting uh, early jump of the yeah. gun there, I think, from the Danish FA. I, I think that um, international and European football is going to be the last to come along because, you know, it's one thing to say, well, you know, in three months' time, four months' time, that you and I can go down to watch Brighton against Arsenal or whatever, you know, and see a game in Brighton, travelling by train. It's quite another thing to say people travelling to different countries, given the, you know, the, the, the problems going on in different countries at different times and all that sort of thing. I would say that anything involving international travel will be the last thing that kind of... Uh, well, I mean, you see oh, the Olympics yeah. are already postponed to next summer, you know, for example, and the Euros. I mean, Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and of course, uh, one of the other bits of news this week was the Wimbledon tennis tournament has now officially been cancelled. Yeah, they, they didn't even bother postponing it. They just went we'll go straight for cancellation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they said essentially that um, there's a load of other surrounding issues as well as the tournament itself and all the people that need to be there yeah. um, in sporting capacity. There's a lot of um, safety staff, um, health staff that need to be on hand and yeah. it would just be an unfair burden on the uh, NHS. Um, Which is, as we've been discussing with um, maybe on a, uh, elsewhere or whatever, is, is another issue with playing football behind closed doors. You know, it's kind of like you still need the medical staff in case someone breaks their leg or whatever or, you know, some sort of, you know, medics and that sort of thing. And it's, you know, that's not really a very fair thing to, you know, to put on, again, the NHS. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's right. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all a guess, guesswork, as Paul Barber had said, isn't it, really? But uh, um, we remain, um, well, sort of waiting on tenderhooks to find out what happens. Um, one other thing from UEFA, by the way, just a small detail, but they've also agreed to change the reporting deadlines for FFP, um, which is... Uh, I suppose, just a small administrative measure, really, yeah. at this stage. I think, interesting, I think there was also some extensions allowable for clubs to extend their submission of accounts as well, going back to the UK. And I think Palace and Newcastle have taken up that option. Apparently, they've, they've got a bit of a habit of submitting their stuff late anyway, mm. from what I've heard. So, yeah, I think it's probably just clubs who are going to submit later or sort of anyway, yeah. and now using it as an excuse, probably, is the answer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no reason why you shouldn't submit your accounts while you're, you know, kind yeah. of at home or whatever. You know, account this sort of thing can go on still. I think, mm. I think with financial fair play, there's no way that this season that they'll be able to apply it. In my mind, clubs will just kind of, you know, how and you know, be like, well, what on earth are you doing? You know, I was, I was 
you know, predicting we're going to get income of this basis. And then because of the coronavirus, my income dropped a lot. You know, you can't really blame clubs for, you know, if they spend within their means but then suddenly lose 10 million or whatever because, you know, there's no there's no last 10 games or whatever. It's kind of, uh, that could be... Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, speaking of Palace, by the way, um, we were discussing a few weeks ago how we thought, or I, I was saying that uh, Wilfred Zaha is a poor man's Neymar, and I'm not a big fan of either, really, um, for their behaviour. Um, Neymar himself, though, has at least endeared himself to the public for real. Um, he's donated £775,000 to a combination of UNICEF and the Brazilian Solidarity Fund to tackle the COVID virus. So one bit of positive news there as, as well. I know other players have also donated um, amounts. I think one or two German players have announced 20% of their wages have been going to one or two of the health authorities while um, while the virus is, uh, is besetting them. And uh, there's been a few other donations up and down the land. So lots of good things there. And in fact, Zaha himself did a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, um, allow, I think, two... Um, accommodation buildings that he owns, he's he's let out to health workers. Mm. So credit where credit's due on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. you might not and like the, the way the guy behaves in a, you know. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? There's two people, players who we've talked about here, who we don't really particularly like as footballers in the way they behave on the pitch, and to, and they've come out with very different ways of behaving during this crisis in um in Grealish and Zaha. You know, it's kind of. Yeah, you know, one, absolutely. One, 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 one I mean, we love really Putin, don't we, Peter? And, and we, we put it in harder than we can. We love, love, um, love having a good old criticism of um, of various people and clubs and so on. But you know, fair's fair. We like to give it, keep yeah, it balanced exactly. as credit, well. Credit where it's due. It's like yeah, absolutely. And even Ronaldo, although he's also had a couple of um, less savoury elements that he's been um, called up in the press for off the field. I think there was there was some tax issues, and there was also a. There was a certain um, um, allegation made against him as well. However, he's also done a lot of good stuff off the field as well. And he's another player I can't stand, particularly his goal celebration, which makes me cringe. Um, Only more so when I see others try to duplicate it, which is even more cringing. But he's done some good stuff as well, I think, um, particularly during this crisis. So fair play to all of them. And, of course, the many others who I haven't mentioned um, who've, who've done similar which is good. And the Albion, of course, continue to do things. We, we mentioned Bruno, didn't we? Yeah. Doing stuff in his uh, local area, which is great to see, as long as he's not um, breaching the, uh, the TV yeah. too much. Just slightly but, going um, back to um, UEFA again, the interesting yeah. thing I thought from them this week was they said that uh, if leagues aren't completed, it might well it might impact their quota of teams in, in European competition next season, which Ooh. interested me suggested that I think there's an exception this week so the Belgian league became the first top league to 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 send to end its season but it only had one game left and then it was a, a playoff system to see who wins the league normally but they weren't doing it this season That's um right, yeah. they just but... they just shut the league off with a game to go but everyone at but yeah they basically said that if leagues aren't finished it all it could affect quotas so... yeah they've awarded the title to Club Bruges who I think 15 points clear yeah. five to go is it yeah um, and I think they've they've not they're not having relegation, but they're allowing the top two in. So I, I haven't actually looked at the table to see um, how, how fair that might be on other clubs. But um, if their situation is more cut and dried, shall we say, then yeah. Well, I, I was looking it up yesterday. Like, I was intrigued about what they did, and they seem to then at this point cut the season, cut the number of points each team has at the top six in half, and then have some weird playoff where they basically play each other twice in the top six, and then they also have playoffs between. Um, between like seventh, ninth, eleventh, and then top two in second division, and then a separate one between eighth, tenth, and twelfth, and the 
teams in the second division as well to try and get a Europa League spot or something. It's all very complicated. Yeah, yeah. Basically, um, everyone carried on the season, but in different groups and with different ways of doing something. It's like very yeah. odd. Yeah, yeah. Um, just going back to the um, furloughing again as well. I meant to mention as well also that north of the border in the, in this country, um, the same has happened at Hearts and Dundee United. Um, Hibs players and senior staff have agreed to wage for of, uh, between 20% and 50%. Most of their non-playing staff are already furloughed. Um, what I found amusing was I think there was, there was another squabble between Celtic and Rangers. Celtic were saying that um, they... I think ultimately we're, we're saying that um, it's difficult to see the season carrying on, but they they do think that the title should be awarded to them. <laughs> and Rangers have, uh, have, have vehemently denied that this should be the case. And I've said, funny, funny that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you, you can't you couldn't um, have predicted that would have happened, could you? I thought that was quite amusing. So you're um, saying the team who are top of the league think they deserve the title, and the team who aren't top of the league think they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And on the continent, um, I think quite a few clubs. I think Barca, Bayern Munich, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Juventus, and I think also this week now Atletico Madrid um, have all had a mixture of staff and player volunteering mm. uh, or wage cut re- requests being made. Um, so there, there's lots of other stuff going on around the uh, around Europe as well, which is which is all interesting. Um, what has happened um, as well is. Um, that on Friday, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, um, there was a meeting. Um, where is it? It's gone now. I can't find it. There was a meeting anyway between various bodies, and the, what the upshot of it is that um, the Premier League, um, the EFL, the WSL, which is the Women's Super League, and uh, their their championship have all announced that the season is suspended indefinitely um, until mm. further notice. With the Premier League themselves stating it will only return when safe and appropriate to do so. Premier League clubs have also said that collectively they're proposing a 30% wage cut for their players. This is now being discussed actually today at a meeting between the PFA players and clubs and club club and player representatives. Um, And the the Premier League have also announced that it will advance £125 million of funds Mm. that were due at a later date to EFL and National League clubs. Um, They've also donated £20 million to the NHS vulnerable groups and um, to those also working in community funding. Um, whether that's one million per club or not, I'm not sure, uh, presumably so. Um, but on, on those bits of information there, obviously the suspension indefinitely, I think, is probably better than putting another new temporary date in, which is just going to get overrided again, isn't it, really? Uh, Mark Warburton actually um, said he'd rather have a set date that is feasible to work to later in the year, I think he was talking about the 1st of October as an example. He would like the clubs to set that sort of date. But they, they, they've gone with the word indefinitely. And, um, you know, it seems like there is a steady determination to see this season out when they can, which has been up till now, in my view. I'd still rather see the season completed. But it seems like they're in it for the long haul, to a certain extent, at least, doesn't it? From from that, was that how you would... Um, surmise it really from what you yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. Well, the irony is, the longer it goes on, the more practical it probably is to finish the season in the sense that if it goes on to say, I don't know, the end of the year or something like that, then you could actually start again with a pre season for the for rest the of the season because you haven't got time to have the next season anyway. So you yeah. have to jump a season in. So in that sense, I mean, that becomes more practical. It's when it, if it's, we can start playing again in August that there's real questions. That's kind of like, to me, that means, well, you, it's very difficult to have us to finish this season and have the next season in before the Euros. But 
you know you can't so so where does the, but you don't want to, you can't only have the rest of this season as well so that's like where do you go with that whereas if it's like you don't you know we're not allowed out or not allowed to play, start playing football again at least until October November you could say well they'll need quite a long pre-season if it's been that long because that's a lot that's a long time to be not playing football for professional footballers hmm. well yeah absolutely and I think I think it is worth looking like it might go towards that. I, I think that might be the case. Yeah, um, I think football will be quite late in the list of things that's done in terms of you know just the number of people who go to it. You know, go to games and yeah, it's it's not going to be a you know it's not going to be like oh we're allowed out. Football's mm. going to be happening again Saturday. It's going to be you know we'll be allowed out and then maybe a couple of months down the line they'll actually have a live football match. Ignoring the fact, of course, that they, they would yeah they need this pre-season anyway because yeah they're not going to be fit. I mean this is already. But we've not had football for almost a month, so that's not you know. By the time the end of April comes, it will be pretty much what we normally have for pre-season, most mm. of May and and the whole of June. That's what they normally have out of training, and it's going to be more than that now. In you know, obviously because they did, they wouldn't have moved the 30th of April date if they thought it's going to be less than that. Yeah. So, true. Yeah. It's going what to be already Thirty percent um, wage cut that was announced as a proposed amount. That's obviously nothing confirmed yet. They're talking about it probably as we speak, in fact. Um, but um, it sounds, sounds like a reasonable amount. I, think, I don't think it's reasonable to really ask them to cut too much off. Um, they may have commitments that preclude that from happening anyway. And in some more extreme cases, they might not be able to afford to, to lose any of their wage because of um, commitments that are tied in. But generally, do you think that's about right, 30%? Yeah, I think, I think that's fair enough. I mean, it's, you know, it's, yeah, I think, I don't, I don't you can, I can argue with that. It's not like a, but I mean, obviously, people also there is a tendency to group Premier League footballers together. Obviously, a Premier League footballer who just maybe has broken into a team and is a youngster who's just come through the youth team is very different to a Premier League footballer who's signed just you know signed last summer for fifty million pounds and well, yeah, obviously is getting wages that's you know relative to that. You know, it's it, yeah. it's not in a way thirty percent all round is not really very fair in a way. You know, you could argue that. Someone who's, you know, obviously 30% is, is a percentage, but, you know, you might really need it if you're just breaking in and you, as much as a lot of people don't, uh, most people don't earn a £1,000 a week, you know, it, it is still not huge money if you're like, you bought, you've got a mortgage because you're young, you know, you're young and you've you know, put that money into doing that and been sensible and then you're suddenly you've got like a third taken off. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I think grouping them together as a whole group, like they do what people do when they can criticise, it's a bit harsh because there's a massive... You know, variation in what Premier League footballers earn. It's not just like they're all on 50 grand a week or something. Mm, yeah, but uh, certainly anything along those lines would make a massive difference. And as well, obviously, the, the donation of 20 million to the NHS and other causes, I think, is, is good. That's commendable. The 125 mil that's going to EFL and National League clubs, in that particular instance, that is money that's just being advanced forward that they would have received anyway um, at a later, I think, much later date in the season. Uh, or in, in the year um, so I guess that's next season's money I'm guessing but whatever it is obviously that's not anything a gesture in terms of something outside of the box but it, it's good to get it a lot, lot earlier because it's going to facilitate cash flows that could make a really telling difference to a number of clubs that could otherwise very seriously go out of business couldn't they Peter? Mm. I mean that's a, the really serious thing. and that's probably why they were always going to take a pay cut because realistically if you know a third of the clubs go out of business it's not going to be good for footballers so you know it's not going to be a, a positive thing 
Yeah, I mean, so, it's tied together, isn't it? You know, they, they, yeah. Footballers rely on football clubs as much as football clubs rely on football. You know, it's, without football clubs, footballers won't get paid. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. So that's certainly um, another thing that we'll be keeping our eyes on over the next day or two. I think, in fact, um, there's going to be an announcement probably by the time we finish this podcast. Normally, <laughs> there'll be some more news on that. But um, it's going to be a wage cut of some sort, isn't it? And it's just a matter of getting into the details. I know the PFA during midweek also were encouraging, well, insisting pretty much that their members speak to them first before agreeing to anything um, as the pressure was coming from other quarters for players to announce that they were going to cut wages. Yeah. The, the PFA, PFA have said, which is obviously the Players Union, have, have said to speak to them first before agreeing to anything or signing anything, which is fair enough. Um, but now all that is taking place today, effectively, so we'll yeah. wait and see how it, how it pans out. Um, well, you're listening to the Brighton Rock podcast. It's episode 24. We're really rattling them up, aren't we, Peter? We've got to do started... something while we're at home. <laughs> yes, it's no coincidence. We're getting, getting through a few more now as we try and while away the hours. Um, we're sponsored by Seagulls Over London, as we have been since the start of the year when we began this. Um, we've got plenty more coming up. We were, on this particular episode, going to have Robin back for his second conversation uh, with us about another Team of the Decade feature. We've had to put that back. He's got some technical issues, his end. So we're going to hope to get him on possibly next weekend for that, um, where we're going to talk about the teams of the 90s. Now, I don't know if you had a look at this in any detail. So yeah, I, I have ideas. It's, uh... Good, good. Well, obviously, keep, keep the details to yourself. But it's, it's good you've got some. I've, I've done a little bit of research, but I think you've been finding it as hard as I have to look at the, yeah, the... Worst, worst players this time. Yeah, there's, what, there's a few that are... Even even compared to the rest of them in those days, remind was so dreadful that it stick in my mind. But there are <laughs> some, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. there are others who are kind of I think were just so bad, but not as bad as the worst, the absolute worst. So they kind of, yeah, disappeared yeah. from memory. I think it's a, it's a combination of obviously memory is is waning uh, for that far back, and also um, conveniently you probably somewhere psychologically you'll you'll lock them out of your mind. Yeah, they, they were bad from a previous era. They're probably long gone now. And also, research is probably going to be more difficult into this. I haven't done any of that yet. I look forward to doing. Yeah, there's not research. the. I, I'm sure there's some players missing from the list that so we had like about 50 players. I think the first year at Gillingham, and there's I've not found a list with that many. So no, so we'll yeah, get, I mean, we're having players for like two weeks on to, on short talk term contract, long contract basis, and then they were leaving because they were so terrible, even for us. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Well, what we're going to do just to explain the format briefly for next for next weekend's episode which will be a couple of episodes time, I think. Um, it will be just a collective worst 11 and a collective best 11. We're going to dispense with the loan or permanent format for this particular yeah. one, as I think it'll, uh, it'll be a bit more tricky to do. So best permanent and loan collectively, worst permanent and loan collectively. That's what we're going to be doing. If any listeners out there are interested in uh, sending in their own selections, they're welcome to do so. If they do, we'll read them out. Um, we should also mention in terms of listenership that we're glad to say we are now on iTunes as well. We have previously been on Spotify and I think one or two of the more obscure of the other podcast um, platforms. But we are now on iTunes as of two or three days ago, midweek. Um, so all of the back episodes are available if you can endure listening to our voices over that many episodes. Um, there's, as I said, 24 of them now, including this one. Um, Paul Barber's episode is episode 23. If you wanted to check that out, and uh, no, it's not. It's episode twenty-one. Oh. I think it's yeah, um, which is well worth a listen. Uh, not for a, 
uh, self-flattery reasons, I have to say, purely for what Paul Barber has to say. He's always good value. But yeah, it's, really well, it's well worth listening because it's less of us talking. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> what more could you want? Um, but we're really glad we're on iTunes as well. Now we're on iTunes, there is the option to rate the show as well. So if you are inclined to do so, we would very much be grateful for any five out of five ratings you could give us. I think the ratings, to some degree, are going to help with listenership. So the more people we can get listening, the better. It's definitely broadened out, of course, um, with this new platform availability. And um, any good ratings will be fantastic. If you don't like the show, oh, don't rate us. Just leave that one. <laughs> but five out of fives would be good. That, that would really help us um, go up the rankings, I think, as well, which we'd be obviously keen to do. Um, it is ultimately an amateur podcast, at least in its current form. We started this purely as a hobby, didn't we, Peter? We did, yeah. And um, now it's the one attempt at sanity. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and it is literally just us with phones. Well, you on the laptop at the moment. But normally it's us with phones and a mic stick plugged in in a pub, um, having a chat and a chinwag about football and hoping we don't sound too irritating. And um, we've enjoyed it so far. We have uh, definite plans to carry it on into the long term. And um, with your help, um, that will that will be good. Um, we've already had larger listener numbers, by the way, since we've gone on iTunes. So that is certainly helping. Um, so fingers crossed, you'll all stick with us. Recommend them to your friends if you can. And we hope to get a number of you on over the forthcoming weeks as time goes on. In terms of Seagulls Over London membership, um, a number of members listen amongst the listeners. Um, and we were, I think, talking about the possibility of having a roundtable discussion. It might have to be a remote one if this carries on, this virus. But um, maybe getting together with several members at once and giving that a try at some point um, sounds like a, a case for Zoom, I think, here, doesn't it? Yeah, um, that, could, that could work very well on Zoom. A virtual table. Yeah, a virtual table, yes. Um, the virtual table day. That, that could be superb. I'm looking forward to that already. So um, if any members are interested, give us a shout as well for that particular podcast. What I'm also hoping to do is to get Amir back on. He's the stateside, well, he is an American citizen, but he's stateside um, and a listener to the show. He's also a participant and listener to Josh's podcast. And a few weeks ago, we had a conversation, Josh, Amir and I, which we put on both podcasts collectively. Um, so listeners to this podcast may have heard his voice before, but I'm going to get him on again over this weekend for episode 25, where he's going to give us his Albion supporting story, his general background. And I'm going to subject him to the quiz, Peter. Um, do you think he could be Robin's 14? It's going to be a toughie, isn't it? It's a very tough one. Robin was very impressive last weekend. That was, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought he was very good, actually. And um, it's a shame, unfortunately, you couldn't uh, beat your total again. So stuck on 11 for now. Yeah. Um, if you want to subject me to the quiz at some point, by all means, if you can uh, set one up, similar format, I'll be happy to take the punishment and uh, cruelly humiliate myself and expose myself <laughs> for my lack of football knowledge. <clears throat> cough, cough. <laughs> um, feel free to do that at some point if you want, Pete. Um, any other business this week? Uh, any other bits of news that call your eye? Or no, I, I, I don't think so. I think um, you've covered it all pretty impressively. Yeah, yeah. I think we. It's, it's really been quite a bit of news, so we wanted to just fire through it all for this one. And even then, on a fast pace, we've got 45 minutes worth uh, under our belt here, which is uh, just goes to show there's been quite a bit of activity going on. Uh, obviously, there's a load of people doing their social media posts as well um, up and down the country. Uh, Glenn Murray's been in the uh, press again a couple of times, I think, hasn't he? 
and I think the Albion also relieved, uh, re- released a um, stay-at-home video, uh, which is uh, which is good. Um, yeah. So a few other bits and pieces going on. Um, so we've just got to stay safe and carry on doing what we're doing. In the meantime, we've got to carry on, uh, well, listening to podcasts like this and, um, well, doing what we can. So I'm going to get back to some more film listening today. In the meantime, I'm going to play out with a little bit more music from Mr. Bill Withers, 81-year-old's classic legend of music, soul music scene. And this was his other favourite, or favourite of the, the listeners anyway. Lovely day. Cheers, Peter. Cheers, Russ. I'll speak to you again next week. You around for next week's? Uh, yeah, I'm, I've not got any too bigger plans next weekend. <laughs> Excellent. Good. Well, hopefully stay tuned to listen to Peter and me for that one. In the meantime, up the Albion. Stand or fall. Cheers. See you later. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.